Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, for the next four weeks, we're going to be walking through the book of Jonah. And uh, I'm really excited. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I think it's a really interesting story. I'm really into it. And um, I like when we go through a book of the Bible, we kind of alternate back and forth between walking through a book of the Bible and then kind of going through some topics that feel important in that moment. And so I really like going through a book of the Bible. It lets me teach a little bit more, and I'm, I'm usually pretty into that. Uh, as a note on this, so some of you may remember that we walked through Jonah last year. Uh, we were only online at the time. And here's the truth about it. Okay, so uh, not that many people watched. And uh, we have a lot of new people who have I've been participating in our community since last July or August or whenever that was, and I really like Jonah. And so that combination of things, of me really, uh, really wanting to share this content with you, uh, not that many people participating last year and so many new people, I thought it would be important for us to look at it again. I think it also kind of pushes us forward into uh, our next season as a church, which we'll, we'll, we'll get to. But uh, so some of you may be like, I think we did Jonah last year. And uh, we did. So that's okay. We're going to walk through it again. If you remember all of that, like kudos to you, gold star. Uh, but most of us don't. So that's okay. So we're going to walk through Jonah the next four weeks. I'm really excited. So Andre and I are going to go chapter by chapter. There's four chapters for the next four weeks. So today we're looking at Jonah 1. But most of us, when we hear about the book of Jonah, uh, one thing comes to mind. We have kind of one uh, point of knowledge, point of reference for the book of Jonah. It's the whale, right? The big fish. In Jonah 1, verse 17, it says, The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. So I want to talk about the huge fish for a minute because um, uh it's what most people think about, and it's like the question of the book of Jonah for a lot of people. Like, did this fish really exist that could eat a man and a guy just like live in the guest suite of a whale's stomach? Like, did that really happen? And so I want to address that to start, and then I just want to like push it to the side because um, to be just totally honest with you, the big fish, the huge fish, the whale, it has almost nothing to do with the story. Like it's this, this, this big narrative, the book of Jonah and the whale. It's like this little section of it, but we make it the whole story. So anyway, I just want to address this big whale and then we'll move on. Okay, so do I believe this huge fish existed? I am open to it. I like it. You know, it says the Lord provided it. I like that, that God sent specifically a whale that had a place you could sleep in or whatever. Like, I'm into that. I'm open to it. Uh, our faith is supposed to be mysterious. I believe all kinds of wild things, and uh, this is one of them. I'm open to it. I would love that. Um, I, 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 hope, I really hope this fish existed. I love that as a part of the story, that it really existed. But I'm also open to the reality that a, that a fish that big and that a human being living inside of a fish i'm open to the reality that that couldn't have existed so i'm open to the reality that this is an ancient story passed on for generations and that it can be meaningful and that it can even be true 
And at the same time, maybe there was never a fish with a guest suite in its stomach. Right? The, the story can be meaningful and true whether this fish literally, historically existed or not. And just an important note, the fish is not the point. Okay, The whale is not the point of the story. And asking over and over again, did this fish actually historically exist, probably distracts us from really getting at what's happening here. So, in conclusion on the huge fish, maybe, I'm open to it, I would love that, but it's not the point. So, this is a narrative, okay? Uh, the book of Jonah is a narrative, it's a story, and we're going to look at each section of the story, but uh, because it is this narrative, before we zoom in on chapter one, I thought maybe it would be helpful if I gave you the like 90 second retelling of the entire book. Because so many of us just really know verse seven, uh, chapter 1, verse 17, there was a huge fish that swallowed Jonah. I thought maybe we could zoom out and just look at the whole story. So I'm going to give you the 90-second version uh, of the book of Jonah, and then we'll kind of zoom in just for today on chapter 1. Okay, so Jonah was a Jewish prophet. He's a Hebrew prophet. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah and told him to go preach to the city of Nineveh. But Jonah hated Nineveh. Nineveh and the Ninevites were Jonah's enemies. It was like arch rivals. But God says to go preach to them. But uh, Jonah didn't want to go there. He didn't want to go preach any kind of message of good news to his enemies. And so Jonah flees from God. So jo God says, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, I don't want to do that. He flees and goes the opposite direction, trying to get to a city called Tarshish. Okay, so God says go one way. It's like God said, go to Pearland and preach. And Jonah got in the car and he drove to the woodlands. Like Jonah goes the opposite direction. And while he's fleeing from God, he ends up on a boat. He's traveling to Tarshish. Tarshish, it's a tough city name. He's traveling to Tarshish on a boat. And uh, he gets thrown off the boat and gets swallowed by a whale. He's in the whale for three days, and while he's in the whale, he says a prayer and he apologizes to God. And the huge fish kind of barfs Jonah up on shore. After Jonah's on shore from this weird, uh, this weird experience, God asks him again to go to Nineveh and preach to the Ninevites. And this time Jonah goes, which seems like a good idea because he just came out of uh, the belly of a whale. And so Jonah now goes to Nineveh and he preaches like an extraordinarily short sermon. And the whole city of Nineveh repents and decides to worship God, which is an amazing thing. But at the end of that, after uh, this long narrative, this back and forth between Jonah and God and Jonah fleeing and being disobedient and finally going, and then the city of Nineveh repenting and worshiping God, Jonah is still really mad at God because Jonah didn't want God to be merciful to his enemies. And, and the book ends, the narrative ends, with uh, Jonah being displeased that he had to go preach to his enemies and God asking uh, Jonah, should I not have concern for all the people of Nineveh? So finally God asked Jonah the question instead of Jonah complaining to God. So chapter one of this big story, this back and forth between God and Jonah. Chapter one, Jonah gets told to go to Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction. He gets thrown off a boat and he gets swallowed by a whale. That's chapter one. It's a lot of stuff in chapter one, right? Jonah gets 
told to go to Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction, thrown off a boat, swallowed by a whale. All right, so um, it's, a, it's a pretty eventful uh, chapter. And here's my one word summary of chapter one. Surprise. Surprise. That's what chapter one is all about. Surprise. Chapter one and really the whole book of Jonah is a huge surprise. Nothing goes as expected. The story of the prophet of Jonah is meant to be read as a satire. It's, it's a ridiculous story. A fish swallows a guy. It's a ridiculous story and it should kind of be read as such. And in this story, in Jonah chapter one, we get introduced to some characters. Okay, so uh, the first character that we get introduced to is Jonah, uh, right at the beginning of Jonah chapter 1 in verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. Jonah is supposed to be a prophet. He's supposed to be a holy man. He's supposed to be obedient to God. The original hearers of this Hebrew story would have imagined the prophet of the Lord to be holy, to be obedient, to be good. And then Jonah is disobedient and he's kind of lazy and uh, he's pretty dramatic, which we'll get to. Right, this, this meeting Jonah in this way is like seeing a monk at a Lady Gaga concert or something. It just doesn't match up that this holy prophet would be behaving in this way. So we get introduced to Jonah. It just does not meet the expectation. And then we get introduced to these sailors because Jonah runs from God. He flees, right? God says, go to Nineveh. He's headed to Tarshish. I just like saying Tarshish, Tarshish, I think. So he flees, goes the opposite direction. He ends up on a boat. And on the boat, we meet these sailors. And while, while they're on the boat, there's a huge storm, and they start to suspect that maybe there's a storm because this man named Jonah was disobedient to his God. And in verse 11 of chapter 1, it says, The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So the sailors asked Jonah, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, Jonah replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault, and this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wider than wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging seas grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So we meet these sailors, and sailors have a stereotype now, like curse like a sailor. And the, the stereotype of sailors 4,000 years ago was pretty similar. It's like gruff and loud and violent. And these are foreign sailors. So Jonah was a Hebrew. The original audience of this story would have been a Hebrew audience. So foreign sailors would have been even more gruff, violent. The audience would have kind of felt a way about these sailors. But these sailors are kind. They don't want to throw Jonah into the ocean. He's a stranger. And these are rough, violent guys is what you would expect. And Jonah says, just throw me overboard. He's being a little dramatic. And the sailors say, well, we don't, we don't want to do that. They, they try to row back. To, to shore. They try to row back to safety. 
And then these sailors end up worshiping God. They are the ones who are obedient to God. What what a surprise. The guy you thought was the good guy ends up being the bad guy, and the bad guys end up being the good guys. And then the biggest plot twist of all, at the very end of chapter 1, verse 17, now the Lord sends a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. A fish, a fish swallows the main character of the story. And that main character lives in the fish for three days and three nights. Surprise! That is not how you would have expected the story to go. Can you imagine? We know this story. We are familiar with it. But can you imagine being an original hearer of this story? There's a disobedient prophet. He gets thrown off. Everyone thinks, well, that's the end of the story. A fish swallows the guy. Surprise. None of this is going how you would expect. Nothing is matching up. So when you read Jonah chapter 1, and you should read it for yourself, your assumptions should be challenged. Your perspective should shift. Your, your prejudice should be evaluated. And that's the point of chapter 1 of Jonah. The world isn't always what you think it is. The world isn't always what you think it is. When the bad guys end up being the good guys and the good guy ends up being the bad guy, maybe we should evaluate whether our categories of good guy and bad guy really matter at all. When a fish swallows a guy and then that guy takes up residence in the fish, Maybe we should evaluate our ability to, uh, to uh, determine uh, the, uh, the goodness of the situations we're in. Maybe we should wonder how good we are at uh, evaluating our circumstances in general. When we get to the end of chapter 1 of Jonah, we should be more honest about our assumptions and more open to being wrong. When we get to the end, of chapter 1 of Jonah, this surprising story, nothing matches up, no character uh, fits their stereotype, all this crazy stuff happens. When we get to the end of chapter 1, we should be more honest about our assumptions and more open to being wrong. This world, our world, is wonderfully surprising. So we've been hosting uh, free haircuts here in our building uh, about every other Monday. We have an amazing a barber in our community who volunteers his time to give free haircuts to our houseless friends in the neighborhood. And uh, it's kind of a mixed bag of experiences. Sometimes it's, um, it's uh, really amazing. It's really beautiful and stories are being shared and there's, there's lots of folks here. And sometimes no one really shows up and we just chat and that's great too. But a few months ago we were doing haircuts on a Monday and we met this guy uh, who had a really bad foot injury. So he had been out on a corner right, right here outside of our building. He had been run over by a car. He didn't get the care he needed. And he was kind of slowly recovering. And uh, on top of all of that, he only had a pair of broken sandals. And so when he came for a haircut, we asked him, like we asked a lot of guys, what, what do you need? And he said, I need shoes, which uh, was totally true, very apparent. And so I told him, well, uh, you know, I don't, I don't have shoes here. But if you come back next week, I'll have a pair of shoes for you. So uh, he came back the next week, and it just so happened that when he came back that next Monday, it was one of those weeks where there were a lot of people in our building. Our building was full. 
um, a lot of guys waiting on haircuts. It was um, uh, just it was just busy. It was lively in here. And um, to be honest with you, I did not want to give the guy the shoes. I, I was nervous that when I brought out that new pair of shoes, that the rest of the people here, that all those other people who had real needs, they had they have real needs, that they would be mad at me for not meeting their needs, that there would be frustrations. I, I was uh, scared that there was going to be a scene, honestly. I was dreading it. And uh, I went to go grab these shoes and bring them out to this man. And to my surprise, no one was mad. No one was mad. And there was kind of a scene, uh, but only because these other men that were here were going over one by one to say congratulations. They went over one by one to say, oh, I'm so glad you got those shoes you needed. Oh, those are awesome. Oh, I bet those are really going to help your, your feet. They just went over one by one to offer care and support. I had an assumption. I really had a prejudice. I had a prejudice. And I was totally wrong about how it would go. And I was so wonderfully surprised. And this is the message of Jonah chapter 1. We don't know everything. We don't know everything. We make assumptions. We have deeply rooted prejudices. We need to be honest about our assumptions and open to being wrong. Justin McRoberts says this, may I never trade in my perception of others for knowing who they truly are. So for you, when is the last time you were wrong about a situation? When was the last time you were wrong about a person? When was the last time you were wrong? Have you ever been wrong? Do you struggle to admit that you're wrong? Maybe you can just think about, when is the last time you were really surprised? That something just did not go how you were expecting. When is the last time you were surprised? And how, how much do you need to be the person who gets it right? Like, are you just open to being wrong? So for you, what would it look like to be honest about your assumptions and open to being wrong? Right, so maybe we just all need to start by acknowledging that we're not actually that good at understanding a situation or understanding the people around us. Maybe we just need to acknowledge that we're not that good at reading the situation or reading people. We like to think we are, but we're just not. There, there's a, a great article by the social psychologist Heidi Grant. The article is called, We're All Terrible at Understanding Each Other. Pretty much sums it up. But in the article, she says, we can't see ourselves truly objectively and neither can anyone else. Human beings have a strong tendency to distort other people's feedback to fit their own views. The way we see one another is far from fair. In fact, much of this process of perceiving other people isn't even rational. It is biased, incomplete, and inflexible. We convince ourselves we're good at reading the situation, about knowing what's going on, but maybe we just need to start by saying, uh, yeah, I'm probably wrong about a lot of stuff. Maybe we just need to start by saying, um, I'm biased, incomplete, and inflexible. Maybe if you want to push against that, if you want to be honest about your assumptions and open to being wrong, maybe it would, it would look like um, 
look like having a positive bias, right? You might call this embracing the benefit of the doubt, right? That, that you realize that other people are complex, that the people in your life are uh, multifaceted, that the people in your life have stories that you don't know about, have pain that you don't know about, that no one is simple, that no one is only one thing. Maybe you could just uh, kind of come to the realization that no one is out to get you, and no one's trying to hurt you, that no one woke up this morning determined to ruin your day. And you just seek a positive bias, that you give the benefit of the doubt, and be okay with the complexity of our world. Right? That's the, the message of Jonah chapter 1. Be honest about that bias. Be honest about your assumptions. Be honest about your prejudice. And then just be wide open to being wrong. Embrace the surprise. So in that, in that character assessment I did uh, of Jonah chapter 1, I did leave a character out. God is also introduced in Jonah chapter 1. And God here is incredibly, overwhelmingly gracious. Chapter 1 is bookended with God's mercy and grace. First, it's God's mercy for the people of Nineveh. It's unexpected, surprising that this foreign country, God would say, I want to go offer my mercy to them. He wants them. He wants to care for them. He wants them to worship. And then at the end, The huge fish, it's the last verse of Jonah chapter 1, the huge fish that swallows Jonah is an act of mercy. It's a life raft. Without the huge fish swallowing Jonah, Jonah dies in the sea. The Lord provides mercy to Jonah through the fish. It seems like it is easy to see the fish as punishment for fleeing. That Jonah flees God and then God swallows him with a fish. But the fish isn't punishment, it's provision. The fish is mercy. The whale is mercy. Without the fish swallowing him, he dies for sure. The fish, it may seem like punishment, but it's actually provision. So as we evaluate our assumptions, I want to invite you to consider the ways in which you've been wrong about God. And maybe the book of Jonah could help you realize that God is incredibly gracious, kind, and merciful. Maybe some of the things that you have counted as punishment were actually provision from God. That God wasn't seeking to harm you, that God was actually protecting you. It's why Jesus shows up. It's why God in the flesh shows up, to show us who God really is, because we're often so wrong about who God really is. We often think of God as retributive and violent, as a cosmic scorekeeper who's waiting on us to mess up and then surprise, we get Jesus. He's meek and he's mild and he's gentle and he's lowly. He's not keeping score, he's blessing and he's affirming. He's not retributive, but he is revolutionary in the way that he cares and he forgives and he loves. He's not who anyone thought he would be. Jesus shows us who God really is and surprise, it's love in the flesh. And so gather today, this is my prayer for you. Be wrong. Be wrong about the people and places and situations in your life. Be wrong about God. 
be wrong so that you can be wonderfully surprised by goodness and grace and mercy. Be wrong and be made new. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.